This is The Business Machine, where we talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. We know that they, as high-energy, non-stop, inspirational leaders, are behind their well-oiled machines. We will get their tips and tools and also listen to their mistakes and how they overcame them. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines and create a great team so that our machines will eventually run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. All right, so this is Business Machine with Kate Snyder from Piper and Gold Public Relations. Thanks for coming today. I'm glad you are able to join us on our Business Machine podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Kate, uh, we're at a networking party, um, which we all love to go to networking parties. Super fun. Uh, <laughs> if Everyone's done. favorite. Oh, my gosh. It's like we have the chamber mixer tonight, and we're like, ah, we should really go, but kind of busy today, but we'll see. But anyway, somebody comes up to you. Let's say you're at a bar. You don't know anybody in there, and uh, you're sitting there with you and your husband. Somebody comes up to you guys, asks you, hey, Kate, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm the principal strategist at a boutique public relations agency, and we work with uh, government agencies, nonprofits, and small businesses to help them tell the stories that will affect change in their communities. And I love that answer, too. And I, and I just think that you have to have that because people ask you that all the time. And it's easy when you're working for somebody else. It's easy because they're like, yeah, I work for so-and-so. That's it. You know? Right, yeah. But, <laughs> but when you own your own business, you really have to come up with something that you know, makes sense because otherwise people give you that funny look and you're like, uh, so what I do is not that cool. Right, and you, I mean, you have to set that for your employees. You can't, um, you know, it's irresponsible as a business owner sure. to let someone else define this thing that is so intrinsically linked to you. And so you really have to be the one that articulates that vision and make sure that your team and your clients and everybody having anything to do with you understands not just what you are, a public relations boutique, sure. or who you work with, government, nonprofit, and small business clients, but really how you're different and why you do what you do. And for us, that is being able to make a difference and affect change in our community. And we get to do that through the work that we do with our clients. And I think that message, too, is that you know we just assume that everybody who works for us and comes in contact with or all of our clients know who we are and what we do, but that's not the case. Absolutely. Um, I like your story. Let's back up just a little bit, too, because I, I, I like your story, because here we are sitting in the Michigan Creative Podcasting uh, studio, we'll call it, but previously this was something else, and then that something else was <laughs> Kate Snyder and Piper and Gold's office, because the wall is still pink in here. Yeah, We're keeping it that way. It just looks to, great. To, to honor you guys. It's not as organized and as cute as yours were. But, um, but tell us that story. I think it's interesting, because you just were going to see what happened. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for a job. And I knew that it was going to take me a while to find something that really fit what I wanted. I wanted a senior level position. I wanted to work for a statewide government agency or um, like a, I wanted to go work for Michigan State or Lansing Community College in a senior level position. And I had all these requirements. I had a you know, salary requirement. I had to answer directly to the CEO or dean. I that's, wanted a, that's a lot of job right, requirements. Like yeah. I wanted to be somewhere that valued strategic communications sure. because I knew what I needed to. I knew what I thought I needed to be happy. Yeah. And I was willing to be picky. I was willing to wait six months, a year, or longer if I needed to to find this perfect job. And 
to help me do that, I decided, well, I'll do some consulting work on the side. Yeah, just to see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I got a mortgage to pay. Like, I needed to bring in something in. And the more and more I started doing that, the, you know, I'd go to people and I'd meet with them, my references and my mentors, and talk to them about what I was looking for in a job. And they'd say, yep, yep, that's great. But hey, can you help me with this project? (laughs) Or can can you do this writing? Or we need a plan. And it was like, okay, well, I can help you with those things too. Sure. And after about six months of doing that, it became clear that this really could be an opportunity. And I was presented with a contract that I had to make the decision of whether I was really going to commit to staying a consultant full time or whether I was going to continue to take on, you know, project work or, you know, small hour investment work that I could do on top of a full time job. And I made the decision to, you know, I said, you know what, forget it. I I don't want to go work for someone else. I don't I don't want to just work for one organization. Um, and so I decided to do the consultant thing full time. And about six months after I made that decision, I was like, again presented with some opportunities that I had to make the decision of: Do I want to just stay a consultant? Do I want to pick my three or four or five real cushy clients and just work with those? And I was going to be you know an independent practitioner. Or did I want to say yes to some of these opportunities and bring on some um, additional support and really start to grow a company instead of a consultancy? And that's what you did because yes. here we are now. <laughs> you're no longer in this office and no. you've moved and have a, have a really nice um, place down in Old Town and you have a staff. Yeah. And so far, so good, right? We've got a great team. Yeah, uh, you sure do. Team of six down in Old Town. That's awesome. I love that. It gives me the chills. I love that story. And Thomas told me that story too, that Kate was just going to see what happened. Yeah. And here I we just are wanted today. to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. And so let's take, I like to look, and I think a lot of small business owners should look 10 years out and, and you know, fly us through that office in Old Town. And it might not be in Old Town anymore in 10 years. The rate that you're growing, you're, you, you don't have much room as it is no. where you are. So Yeah. So what would you like to see for, for Kate and for Piper and Gold 10 years from now? Well, it's never been my goal to be the biggest. Yeah. Um, we've had growth, but it's what I perceive to be controlled growth. Um, we've been very strategic about who we work with as clients. We're very picky, and there's a lot of people that just don't fit the culture that we've grown. Yeah, we've talked about that. You and I have. Yeah, that. we're super committed to a certain type of client that really fits with our mission, and, um, and that makes... That makes it easy to, not easy, but that sure. I think makes it easier to find team members who are a good fit because they have to believe in that mission too, right. that we're not just doing public relations, we're affecting change. And the tool through which we're doing that is public relations. And so for me, I've never wanted to be the biggest, but I definitely want to be the best. And that to me means having the you know most streamlined, effective, efficient operations process where our employees know what to expect our clients know what to expect it's really smooth it's really you know effortless for people where we reduce the number of opportunities for error and we maximize the opportunities to really be successful and um, help affect those changes in whatever way that means for our different clients so to me it's all about being really elite and I want to you know I want to get to the point where we've got a waiting list of people that want to work for us and work with us because we are able to really cultivate 
the cream of the crop as it relates to a client base and an employee base. I love that. I love the couple of things that you really said that really stood out that we learned the lesson too, is you don't want to be the biggest, but you want to be the best. And also to talk just a little bit, I think, you know, cause we made the mistake of taking on whoever that we could, cause we thought that's what we should do. And we've learned those lessons too, but I really like how you tied it to, the culture and what you want to do. And if you're taking clients that don't necessarily fit within the culture, then you have employees that may not necessarily fit or so on. So talk a little bit about what that means as far as taking on the type of customers or type of clients that really fit with your culture. Yeah. And I mean, for us, that's, that's twofold. Number one, it has to be a client about whom we can be passionate and excited to work with. And sometimes that's a little bit under the surface in that, you might look at what someone does and think, well, that's not exactly the most exciting thing in the world, but you love working with that yeah. client. And they're, you know, the person that you work with there is so passionate about what they do that you can't help but be infectious and you you sort of absorb that passion from them. So, um, you know, sometimes it's the work that they do, but we have had that experience where someone does really amazing work in the community, but there just wasn't a cultural fit either. Um, for us, a cultural fit, there has to be a value of strategic communications. They have to understand that strategy is more important than the tactic the tactical side of it, there's a lot of people in PR that are very reactive and it's just very like, we got to get this out and we got to get it out right this instant. And we need the clients that say, Hey, we know that we need to take our time and build a solid foundation before we just start blasting stuff out there. Um, so for us, you know, there's that kind of fit. There's a fit in terms of just work style and how we work together with our clients. Um, you know, and there's, Sometimes there's just a mismatch of expectations. There's the mismatch of budgets. And so you do have to be really thoughtful and try to really vet out your clients um, before you do develop that relationship. Because for us, if we're doing our jobs right, our relationship with a client could last in perpetuity. Yeah, forever. I mean, we could work with a client on there. There is never going to be a time when they don't need public relations sure. those needs are just going to change yeah. and if we're doing our job great and we've built that solid client relationship and we know what the goals are and we know what the expectations are and we have a really easy process for them to be a part of then we could work with them forever and so this is a big commitment yeah. we're making to so you really clients. want to make sure that that's the right fit because you've seen where it's not and it just doesn't work out and yeah. doesn't work out for you and it doesn't work out for them either yeah and it's a bummer yeah um, sure but it's also just kind of a part of life and a part of business yeah yeah that was hard that's hard for me and I, you know it's always like when you don't do a good job for a client or because they're not they're not right fit or because it just wasn't something that you did it's just like ah but we've been better about that too and I think that's super important for those people that are listening in small business or thinking about starting a small business. Um, talk a little bit about you and, you know, what we're trying to figure out here is why it's called business machine is that we think that, that a lot of, if not every single uh, small business owner I've talked to in this podcast, they are the machine. And, and, you know, I hate to say it like this, but if something happens to you, you know, if something happens to me or Melissa, I mean, probably worse if it happens to Melissa, we're in trouble. Um, but we're all trying to do things, I think, as small business owners that help that machine run bits and pieces of it by itself so that eventually in a perfect world, it would just run on its own. Yeah. Talk to us about that. And how do you do that? And how do you make sure that the machine of Piper and Gold is, is running as efficiently as it can? Well, for me, it comes back to, um, really clear process 
and clear expectations. Um, and that's something that I think you have to be committed to continuous process improvement. Yeah. I'm a huge process person. Um, and we're currently going through yet another iteration of our process to make us more efficient and more effective and to reduce the opportunities for error. And really one of the biggest motivations right now for what we're going through from a process improvement standpoint is to reduce frustrations, um, employee frustrations, client frustrations. And so yeah. I do think it comes down to having a clear, really solid operations process but you also have to trust your employees and you have to hire people that you can trust and um, and you have to trust your clients and be selective about working with clients who trust you. At the end of the day, you know, it is hard because your name is attached to this sure. thing and your identity yeah. is linked to your business. Yep. And so to let someone else speak with your voice is super scary, um, but you have to you have to do it if you want to grow beyond, you know, two or three people. Yeah. It, it's just an inevitability. And when you set clear expectations and you have a solid process that people can rely on, it reduces those opportunities for error. Um, errors will happen. They'll always happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you have to let go and you have to trust your people to do their jobs. Yeah, I like that trust and finding the right culture and the right fit and the right person and letting letting them do, um, you know, what you you think you need to do, but letting them do it and, and trusting them they're going to do it in the same way that you would. And so I love that. And yeah, it's a hard thing. And I, and I think another thing that, you know, that made me worry, but I know, I've known this because I'm a constant worrier, but yeah, so you are Piper and Gold. I mean, yeah. your name I mean, is attached to it. I'm on my freaking there. taxes. <laughs> like, I mean, you are the company. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, we we did want to focus on mistakes. And, and I always said, and the reason why I did this is I've always said that, you know, I would like to write a book one day, but I don't have enough time, nor probably <laughs> I couldn't do it anyway, or content. I mean, that's a lot of content to come up with. But, you know, I said if I did write a book, it would be it wouldn't be about all the things we did right. It would be about all the mistakes that we made along the way. And everybody that I talked to is like, "Oh my gosh, I'd read that book. That would be a really good book." And and so I didn't want to focus on mistakes, but I really wanted to talk about what were some of the mistakes. And so if you look back over the last couple of years here, what was one of the mistakes that you think you made either at Piper and Gold and starting and and what'd you do? So for me, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made um has been to sacrifice myself at mm. the expense of the business right and i mean i think it's a common thing for small sure. business owners but you you know as you just said like what would happen if something happened to you yeah. and i'm one of those people that i'm a not a very um outwardly emotive person like i have a lot of energy and so people kind of perceive that as like being like, you know, oh, she's enthusiastic. Yeah, but yeah. I don't really, I don't like to talk about feelings. I'm a very <laughs> private person. Yeah, sure. And if there's something that's bothering me or if there's stress or something like that, I very much internalize it. I work in PR. You have to be the cool, calm, collected one at all times. And when you own a business, you know, it's like having five children. Oh my goodness, all yeah. need something from, from mommy all the time. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, can be there are so many worries you're not just supporting your family but if you screw up yeah you've you know there these are five families that are counting on you yeah that's one of my biggest fears i think yeah yeah and so you know i and so i rightly or wrongly um 
was striving to protect my employees and even protect my spouse and just the people in my life from those burdens. And I very much um, internalized it and, you know, kept my cool, calm, collected demeanor. On the outside. On the outside. Sure. And the, I thought I was, like, I thought I had it, man. I was like, yeah, I got this. And then (laughs) I started having a really bad heartburn and then all of a sudden I started getting this like itchy feeling on my stomach and like simultaneously I had given myself an ulcer oh my goodness and I got shingles I mean I'm like (laughs) in my 30s (laughs) I'm not supposed to get shingles (laughs) but I got shingles because stress takes its toll oh yeah and I didn't have outlets for that stress and I wasn't doing a very good job of releasing that stress. I was just completely internalizing all the worries and fears. And I was, something had to give and I wasn't going to outwardly, you know, I was going to have a breakdown. I wasn't going to yell at my employees. No, you can't. I wasn't going to fail at work. Right. Right. And so what gave was my physical well-being. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. My body (laughs) gave. And you, you can't let that happen. You can't. I mean, people are counting on you. And yes, you can have great crisis processes and you can have a backup plan for what would happen if you were unexpectedly out of the office for a period of time. And you should have all of those things. But at the end of the day, like you have to take care of yourself. And I think that's the whole point is that machine has got to keep running and you have to be, you know, as efficient as you can. And, and, as a leader, I think we don't ever think that we have, and the best quote that I, not one of the best quotes, but one of the funniest quotes that I like from, it's from Saving Private Ryan. It's, it's a quote that he says, I don't gripe to you guys. I gripe up. And he's a captain. He gripes up. Well, you and I, we don't have anybody to gripe to. And so we can't be seen as, you know, having stress, at least we think we can't. But so, you know, and I always thought too, that I'm not working hard enough because, you know, we're not getting this client. We didn't do this. So I've got to work harder. I've got to work harder. And I don't think that's, I think I've learned a little bit that that's not what I need to do. I need to meditate in the morning. I need to exercise. I need to eat right. And I need to do these things that are going to take a little time out of my workday. But boy, it makes your workday so much more effective. And it's, I mean, that, those are the exact things that you do have to focus sure. on. For me, it's the same thing. I have to meditate. Yeah. I have, which sounds, you know, so I know. Oh my God. That's, so I, I can't believe I even owners. told you that I did that. But, but you have oh to, my God. Yeah. you have to find an outlet. You have to exercise. You have to fuel your body. You are essentially an elite athlete that is performing at a high, high pressure stress level. I love that. The demands of being an entrepreneur are not just mental. They're not yeah. just time. They're physical sure. demands and you have to physically take care of yourself or it's going to, your body's going to crap out on you. And I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I did too. Same thing happened. You know, when I went in for the, to, you know, all the different doctors and specialists and all this kind of stuff, the treatment for both shingles (laughs) and ulcers is reduce your stress level. And I wanted to say to them, you know what's stressing me out? Shingles. (laughs) Shingles stresses me out. (laughs) But you know, that's like, that's the thing. You have to find whatever outlet. And for most entrepreneurs, there are multiple outlets. Sure. You have to be able to cope because you just work is not the same for you as it is for other people. No, it's not. And I think what happens then is I always at that point when I was you know, that same thing happened to me and my doctor said, look, man, you just got to relax and you got to you got to exercise. You got to eat right. You got to drink more water. I'm like, oh, I thought you would just tell me some way to fix this. And right. of course he didn't, which I'm glad. But, you know, I, I think that I was always afraid that because I got burned out in my first career, hence now I'm here. I'm like, well, what happens when you get burnt out of your own 
career right. at your job. So, and you don't you, have that luxury. You don't. Yeah, you just don't. I love that. So along the same lines, you know, in business, what was something that you you thought, hey, this is going to be a really good idea. This is going to work. Let's do this. And it's going to be awesome. And then it wasn't. Yeah. So for me, I think really the biggest instances of those are instances where I didn't follow my gut about taking mm-hmm. on a client. Um, you know, I took on a client because I felt like we needed the money or I took on a client, even though there was just something nagging at the back of my mind about this is not going to be a good fit. Um, but I kind of thought, oh, but you know, we can, we can make it work. We can make it Yeah, maybe it if work. we do really good in this part, then they'll turn a new leaf. And, and you just, you got to follow your gut. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a difference between being completely risk averse and being too afraid to function and that like that gut feeling where you're just like, yeah. I don't have a good feeling about this. Yeah. And, and I think for me, the, the times that we had to course correct or the times that were the most stressful were times just like that, yeah. where I had fears and I didn't voice them to nip it in the bud or, you know, I didn't just straight out say, this isn't going to be it's a not good work. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. It's um, hard to turn down work. Yeah, it sure is. It really, especially in the beginning, it's right. hard to turn down work. What do you have to work on besides trying to relax yeah. a little bit? I mean, we yeah. don't have, you know, your husband sent in a long list that he shared with me. Yes, I'm just of kidding. course. <laughs> I'm <laughs> but, sure. But uh, what, what are some things that you know as a leader and as a business owner or just, you know, in general, what do you have to work on? Yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, when I realized that I was, pushing my body to the point of it failing me, um, my first reaction was frustration and, like, almost anger. Like, come on, body. Because you couldn't do, yeah. Like, I got this. I, like, emotionally can keep up with this. I'm awake enough out. Like, why can't you keep up with me? And that is very much a part of my personality. My personality is a, there is no such thing as done or something can always be better. You yeah. can always go further. You can always be more efficient. You can always be more effective. It's like, yeah, we're getting there. Always we're getting improve. there. Yeah. And, and that's part of the culture of our business is this culture of continuous improvement. But I have to remember that not everybody knows what I'm thinking. Right. And, you know, that's a lesson in both personal life and professional life. But, you know, when we finish an event or we finish a campaign or a project, I have to remind myself that the first question can't be, what do we do better next time? Or right. here, you know, the, my first comment can't be great. Here's my list of 10 things that I want to maybe like, Hey, to do different this went time. really well. I have to, you know, remind my team yeah. like this went really great. And I have to actually, I make a point to tell them when they, you know, to tell new people when they start with us, me giving suggestions, or things that I want to see done differently next time is not a lack of satisfaction. It's that commitment to continuous process improvement. And I have to remind myself, yeah, some people I have may to not say, yeah. this was great. I'm so happy with how it went. And then maybe the next day say, great, so let's have a powwow and talk about yeah. what can we do to make this even better next year. You know, like I have to remember to let the compliment breathe for a moment because I don't, I don't require that. You know, you don't, I just yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you, you don't need somebody to say, hey, really nice job. You're just like, yeah, well, you know, we could do better next because, time. Yeah, because to me it will never yeah. be yeah. good enough, and I have to remember that that's not sustainable. That's and, what a lot of people don't work like that. <laughs> it's just, it must be why we're in the positions that we are. But I, And I, I love how you 
have set your employees up for that sort of like I should have how to deal with Brian. <laughs> Not that we're impossible, so but, but yeah, instead of a employee handbook, it's just here's, here's things that I might say. And this is what they really mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I don't mean I can come across as very um, harsh. I can come across yeah. as cold. I can come across as very difficult to so please. And so I try to, um, I try to understand what motivates my employees and to try to adapt my leadership style and my personality to being a better, stronger leader. I have one employee who I know it's really important to her to he- just to hear thank you. And it's not that hard for you to do. And I have to remember. But just you have to, to remind say, yourself to do it. Thank you. I'm right. a, I, it's not that you're not thankful. I'll reward you with a cash bonus or I'll reward sure. you with a gift. I'll reward you if you've been working really hard. I'll buy you a, a really bougie gift certificate or, you know, like that's my way of saying thank you. But I have to remind myself that, that word, thank you. for this employee, that's that's not what she reads. And so I have to I have to buy the card. And write thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. to go with the. Whereas other employees, they don't. I we have another employee who's just like me. She doesn't talk about her feelings. We don't need to talk about our feelings. She yep. knows when I say, "Nice work." Like that's all she needs. And if I were to emote and gush to her about, "Oh my gosh," she would feel really uncomfortable. With that. <laughs> See, so, that's you, know, so you have to understand. You got all these personalities, yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's part of being a good leader yeah. is having the tools in place for us. That's an assessment tool that helps you to understand what your employees' motivations and personality styles and all that stuff, you know, it helps you understand them better so that you can be the best version of yourself for them. Yeah, and I like how you said the best version of yourself for them because that version is different. Yourself, that version is different for every person. And, you know, I don't want to say have your employees do a personality test or anything like that because we've all taken them through college and all that. But one of the things I did with some guys that I teach in the summer uh, we did do those personality tests, and it it was more eye-opening for them, not who they were, but it was more eye-opening for them on who other people perceived them as. And they're like, oh, really? So that person feels like this because of this? has nothing to do with who you are. And so I thought that was very... I think, you know, for us here at Michigan Creative, it was learning how some people need handwritten lists to get things done, and they only need four or five things on there. Otherwise, it's too much, where mm-hmm. other people can do 10 different things at a time and get them all done. And so really knowing what each employee needs, I think, is important, especially in a leadership role, too. Yeah, and we use an assessment tool, and we work with an external consultant on this, and that's you know one of the sort of greatest lessons in business, I think, is that there are people out there that, that can do, do this. just about anything. Exactly. So find the right consultant for whatever it is you're trying to do. But for the assessment tool we use their essentially personality testing gets benchmarked against our corporate culture. So we're able to get not just an assessment of their personality, but how does that personality fit within our existing framework and what can we do as a company with our processes and our systems and me as a leader, Mm -hmm. what can I do to help this person reach their maximum potential? Wow. I love that. All right, so we figured out what you have to work on, biggest fault. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you – I don't like work-life balance. I've got to find a better way to say that because I just don't like the term. I don't know what it is. I, don't I have a colleague um, in Columbus who uses the term work-life integration okay. instead of work-life balance. And that's and why I like that. That's, that's why I don't like work, work-life balance is because I think it – you know, in corporate world and, you know, when I was in my other job, it used to be that, you know – Leave work, work's done, go home, no problem. Mm-hmm. Now work's always around us yeah. for you and I, but yeah. I don't really mind it. I mean, it's I love what I do, 
And I think my family needs to be a part of work. And so I think, but also there needs to be times where you, you, you turn the phone off and, and shut it down. So how do you, I guess, really, how do you perceive that work-life integration? Well, I think, yeah, I think you really clearly articulated that when you own a small business, and I think, too, for us, when you work in communications disciplines, um, where your, you know, personal social media profiles are linked to the clients (laughs) with whom you work, (laughs) you know, you're constantly meeting and seeing people out in the community. I can't go to Meyer without running into somebody. Clients. So, you know, there is that that false notion of balance and that somehow it's this 50 50 thing. And I, yeah, I think you really do have to focus on how you successfully integrate your work into your life and knowing what your priorities are. And you have to, you have to communicate with your family members. For me, it it is about having candid conversations, you know, like I have to, say to Andrew, I am such like a put my head down and go person that I won't know that you are being neglected. Yeah. Like I just, I, you'll think everything's just fine. I don't pick up on that. It's just not my, I'm not a super emotionally (laughs) intelligent person. And so I need you to tell me. Like, hey, put the phone down. Let's go do something. Yeah. Yeah. And and granted, some of that is on me too. Like, I I work really, um, I've, one of the, you know, things that I've shifted and changed now as a small business owner and the longer I've done it is if there's going to be a night where I'm going to work late, I give them a heads up on that. Yeah. Like, instead of it just being every night, you know, it becomes, hey, on Tuesday night, I'm going to work late. So it's like he knows that expectation is already there. Like Tuesday night, I may be home, but I'm not really mentally available. But that means on Monday night and Wednesday night, I'm going to be there. I'm going to turn off the phone. I'm cool. not going to turn off the phone. Oh my but goodness. Yeah. I'm not going to check my email. Right. And I and I'm not going to respond to things that really can wait until tomorrow. But see, we and that's the thing is they can wait. They can wait. But and that's why we think, and that's that email and those notifications too. And I've done a pretty good job about turning those off too, because I, and not taking my phone into the movie theater mm-hmm. and not taking my phone in for dinner because, because really, like you said, I mean, with all the social media channels that we have, there always could be something that we think that needs to be handled yeah. because we're trying to do best for our clients. And that comes back to some of that trust issue too, right? Like we do it out of fear, or at least I do it out of yeah. fear, oh, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, if I don't handle it right this instant, we're going to lose this client. Exactly. And if we trust our client and our client trusts us, then there's that it. mutual respect there that we will recognize when something is truly one of those instances that does need to be happened, or, you know, need to be handled right now. Or it can be handled. And we'll, way. you know, act accordingly. Um, but there is that trust to say like, they'll, they'll take care of that tomorrow. It's okay. I just wanted to let them know. Yeah. I like that too, to really understand that trust, that client trust, I think is important. I love how you really focus your attention on that. I think that's super important. You know, we talked a little bit about employees and trust too, but how do you, so you like to get them to fit with your culture, but how do you know? I mean, I I mean, I'm pretty good at reading people and I'm pretty good at inspiring people who want to be here and, and, but how do you know for sure? Yeah, we can't. You can't. I know you can't. So there's no, yeah. I thought you, you, I thought you had an answer. That's the only reason I'm doing this podcast. I thought you had all the answers. You can't know for sure. Um, I will say that for us, that controlled growth has allowed us to be very purposeful in our hiring practices. Mm-hmm. And 
We haven't hired anyone cold. Right. You know, we... Because we, you had to. Right. We have an active internship program, and so our entry-level right. staff, um, you know, have come through our internship program, and we felt like we, you know, had a really good sense of them and their ability to function successfully. We had another... Um, another employee that we interacted with at another organization and so we're able to get a sense of her and it's kind of funny we joke now that like we took her out for coffee a couple times <laughs> and these just kind of get to know you meetings well no we were yeah, yeah. sizing her up that's kind but, of recruiting they should but know. she didn't know you know we didn't yeah. have a position posted we didn't <laughs> say to her hey we want to talk to you about an open position yeah, yeah. we said hey we want to get a better sense of like how you work and how you function and just kind of get to know fun. you in yeah, case yeah. there's ever partnership opportunities in the future you took her um yeah she's lovely i love her um (laughs) and i I like the way that you know the i think two things one i think really i think we have that luxury now too there's a lot of good people out there and i think and um our internship program just you know like yours i think has been one of the uh, best things and I always wanted to have an internship program because I, I had a great one when I was in college I think a lot of the success I've had is somehow related to that whether they knew somebody or whatever um, but a lot of our full-time staff and part-time staff have come from an intern yeah position yeah I mean it's a great way to to get to know someone and to see how they work and the quality of their work and see are they a good fit for that culture and granted not everyone you're going to hire is going to be entry-level staff and so that's not always going to work but for us it really is a good way for those entry-level positions to get to know people and you know being small and staying small and to me staying elite um, it means that you are able to be well networked and get a sense of people yeah, and before I, you bring them in. And I wanted to bring, I was actually, before we go on to the easy questions here, not, hey. they're all easy. But <laughs> before I did that though, I did want to, you know, cause when I first started, you know, I, I'm a big thinker. I'm like, Oh, I want to be huge, gigantic, you know, yeah, that's not, not blow this up. And then shh, my man, it was like a year into it. I'm like, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. Um, but how do you grow? without growing, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or without being the biggest, you know, how do you keep, you know, how do you make sure that you have sustained growth? You can't, you always have to grow and get new clients or better clients, but how do you do that without being the biggest then? Yeah. So for me, um, one of the things is working with other experts that can help you. You know, I have a business coach and, um, that's part of the motivation behind our operations improvements is to build capacity mm-hmm. without necessarily changing our staff size. I like that. Yeah. Um, reducing over servicing of clients and yep. weeding out the clients who aren't as profitable or who people don't enjoy working with. Um, and so that for me is one way that you can grow without growing. What you don't want to do is, you know, place this additional burden on the backs of your employees where they need to like squeeze in more billable hours than is realistic right you know we work in a service environment sure. so it's not like we can just scale up a product our time is yeah, our let's service. make some more our minds are our stuff. service for me too some of that is shifting from this sort of tactical deliverable mentality to really focusing on value and what is it that our clients value and building these relationships that are focused on value so that we do keep clients 
you know, if we, you know, so if we could just keep our client mix the same and work with these same great clients and they just, right. You know, and we can, yes, you will hit a maximum profit point at which you're just not going to make more money than that. But honestly, but if you have a great staff and everybody's well paid and yeah, I mean, if everyone's feeling well compensated, sure. then they're, they're happy and they're, you know, feeling like they're getting professional opportunities and professional development opportunities and their rewards that keep them motivated. Um, th- that's, Yay. Yeah. I mean, well, right? That's, yeah, that's, no, that's what exactly. we're going for. And I think if we can, you know, like you are employing six, seven, eight, and how many employees do you have right now? Six. Six. And they're um, here in mid-Michigan raising families or about to raise families right. and buying houses. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, it just, I think, and for some people, that's not their goal. You know, they do want a super scalable model and yeah. they want large scale growth. And that's awesome. Sure. But for me, one of the most rewarding things about being an entrepreneur and the thing that I didn't expect. And I guess it's kind of what keeps me motivated and why I do actually like it is I love the super familial environment that we have. Yeah. And I love that I have been able to create the kind of culture in which I've always wanted to work. But, you know, when working in government agencies, you don't have that freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. We had a great culture where I, you know, spent almost 10 years of my career in government and I really loved it. But now we just have, you know, I have so much more freedom and flexibility and yet I'm still able to do that amazing public servant work Yeah. in this fantastic familial environment where I feel like people really are able, one of the things we pride ourselves on is that you can be who you are in our office. Sure, do it. You yeah. can... You don't ever and have I, to... And I think you feel that when you come into yeah, your office too, yeah. You don't ever have to feel like you can't be yourself at work and that you can't pursue your passions and you can't, whatever it is, if it is that you like to wear pink every single day or that you have bleach blonde hair or that you, um, you know, like want to be the office recycling, like, uh, <laughs> these are all assuming um, super stringent office recycling, <laughs> uh, aficionado, whatever it. it is you want to be like, you can be that. And, you know, I have a lot of PR is a very female dominated mm-hmm. industry and yet the, the senior positions are still dramatically male. Yeah. And so for me, that's another super rewarding aspect of you know owning a business and having this super familial environment is that we can support one another and lift one another up and I can hopefully help give these young women a voice and help them to recognize the subtle ways in which they're treated differently than their male counterparts and that's super rewarding and important to yeah. me. And, and it's something that you've done. I, I love that story and I love the way that you've done that and created the culture at Piper and Gold. I just, I don't know. I love coming over there and I just think it's awesome. So thank you. Nice job. It's one of the things of which I'm the most proud. I'm sure. And, it, and it's great to give them a salary and it's great that they can buy houses and cars and things like that and move into Lansing. But you know, you're giving them a little more than that. I yeah. Think. And when, uh, when we extended our offer to one of our newest employees, extended her a full-time offer and she'd been working as a student for us and you know when she told me why she accepted and how excited she was she said I feel like I can be myself here in a way that I wouldn't be able to other places and I just like that is it was like oh that's that's it that's what we're going for (laughs) (laughs) well thank you (laughs) no no matter who that self is and some of that is you know finding people who are a good fit and feel like they can fit in with that culture but 
Yeah, what a just a great, great place to come into work. I mean, that kind of that's where that work life balance and why I don't like it because eh, if you're coming into work and you can be yourself, then is it really work? And so maybe it is work because you're getting paid and you have sure. to do certain things. But man, I've seen corporate environments and I've seen people at the state and I've seen people in big governments and 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 that's not what they have and they're right. not and they're not and it's okay. Some of them are okay with it because yeah. it's just nine to five. We're gonna go and do my work, but. Boy, to have the best of both worlds in one place would yeah. be cool, wouldn't it? All right, Kate. So now the easy questions. You did okay, a great job. Questions. These are really Thank easy. You. So, but lots of information, and, and uh, Kate is a great person to um, talk about entrepreneurship and, and small business and women-owned businesses. I just, uh, um, I think that you know, just proof as uh, proof of concept there that if you just want to try something out, it can be done. And, and obviously, you've worked very hard to get where you are today. So, super impressed. But. There's lots of places to eat and drink around here. Yeah. Um, there's some really close, which I like is good and bad. But what is your favorite place? Where is your favorite place to eat and drink? Okay. So I love to eat. Okay. Like we knew love that. to eat. I love to eat out. I would eat every single meal out if it wouldn't be super unhealthy for right. me. Yeah. So I will eat. Honestly, I will eat anything. Yeah. I will, I will eat anything. I will eat anywhere. Yeah. It's like... The possibilities are endless. Yeah, I love it. I mean, name a genre of food, and I probably have three different favorites. And we're talking, I mean, I will eat at Applebee's. I will eat sure. at Korea House. I will <laughs> eat everywhere in between. I know, like, I love food. I will eat at Dusty's Tap Room. I will eat at Hopcat. I will go to McDonald's. So this I is going to be hard. Food. So you don't have an answer then? No, I could not. Truly, where I want to go or my favorite place don't just know. depends on the day. What what do I what do I feel like? <laughs> and there's so oh, many options around like, here. Even like, oh, let's go for sushi. Great. Well, what are we feeling yeah, like? Are we feeling yeah. like this going kind of, to Sansu? Yeah, or yeah, are yeah. we feeling more like, I never know how to say... Um, I don't know. I never know if it's Tamaki or Tamakai and Frandor. Like, are we thinking more like build your own sushi Panera style sushi? Or are we thinking like Sansu sit down or is it Monday? And can we get 25% off at <laughs> so Fusion? Like, I, do we want to go to Yukai? Like, I love food and I will every Friday and Saturday night I eat out. Yeah. There's so many great places. Good. Yeah. We love it. We, uh, there's so many places within almost walking distance where, where you're at too. So it's getting more and more difficult. I love food. (laughs) I'm starving. All right. So now tell me you have a favorite quote. Um, Yeah. So I was reading an article mm, a few months back and I came across a sentence that has stuck with me and I absolutely love it. And it's that you have the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce has. (laughs) You do. You're right. You too. So are you saying that I could be as great as Beyonce? And that's like, people are like, oh yeah, but I don't have all of the, the staff that she has or all of the, but, but she, she, she didn't, she made the, like sure. she made that happen. Like yeah. you, that you have no excuse. You, there are resources out there for entrepreneurs. There are yeah. resources out there for anyone. You just have to hustle and you have to be diligent and willing to like ferret out those opportunities and find all of the resources yeah. and take advantage of all the resources to build something great. And yeah. I, lo- I, just, I like that. Beyonce. You have or, you, you, know, do. Anybody, you have the same number of hours anybody. in the day as President Obama. You have sure. the same number of hours in the day as any person that has accomplished what you perceive to be like something great. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. What about a business book? Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple. We were talking about meditation earlier, yeah. and I'm actually reading 10% Happier by Dan Harris right now, which he's a journalist, and it's um, 
a really well-written read. I find sometimes a lot of business books are like... Like, I'll be like, ooh, this sounds really good, and this cover looks really good, and then three chapters in, I'm like, eh. It's like the Twilight of Business books. Can I read something else? There's so many. This is so poorly written, and I'm not getting anything out of it. Like, (laughs) I felt that way. I know this is probably going to get me, like, people are going to hate hearing it, but I felt that way about reading Good to Great, where it was like... Yeah. Like, yeah, I get Those kind of books, though, I don't read them at night anymore. Good to Great, like... This is not rocket science. So I like books that are either super practical or they do a great job of storytelling. And that's what I'm loving about 10% Happier is he's a journalist. Uh And so he knows how to tell a story. But it's actually all about his search for stress management. He like essentially had a nervous breakdown after being a war correspondent. And he had become an adrenaline junkie. Um, And he wanted to tame that stress without losing his edge and he turned to meditation to do that and so it's a really good book um you know one of the things that i I, i'm gonna have to read that because that sounds perfect and and i've got a lot of business books too and one of the things i was doing is i was reading these business books at night before i went to bed and it just didn't work fall asleep well it was the opposite because i was reading stuff in here i'm like oh i should do that i should do this Ah. i should be doing this i should be doing this and i started to get tight in the chest and i'm like i'm not doing any of that that happens to me oh so i don't do that no. But meditation-wise, um, one of the things that I found, and you know, if you knew me very well, for me to say that I was doing meditation, we're like, oh boy, he's doing what? He's I not know. doing that. like, oh, that's all hippie. You know, you smell like patchouli now, probably too. But um, I don't. But um, <laughs> at least no. Um, I found an app called Headspace. Oh. And you've got to check it out. Okay. It, it's uh, heads. It's it's free for the first ten days, and then after that, I think it's like sixty bucks a year. But it, it, it just guided meditation 10 minutes every morning. Awesome. And that's it. And I can do 10 minutes in the morning. I can do that. And I've been using an app, the app Calm. It's oh, just okay. Calm. It's probably the same thing. Yeah. And it's another guided meditation yeah, app. it's perfect. And uh, you can pick two minutes, three minutes, five minute, or 10 yeah. minute guided meditations. I, t- I, I was kind of like, eh, I'm not going to stick with this. But I after the first 20 days, I think I'm on day 31 now, not in a row. I skipped some days here yeah. and there. But I could tell a difference. And it was just sort of like those little things that I could focus on now differently. And it was a great way to start. It's a great way to start the morning. Yeah. One of those self-care things that I do is, I don't even remember where I got this idea from. I'm sure someone told me about it. But every night before I go to sleep, I write in in a gratitude journal, essentially. (laughs) Um, I hand write, you know, like turn off the device. Uh Um, I handwrite three things for which I was grateful that day. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And it really does, you know, like for me, it's just it's just this little thing. And I mean, it can be as simple as, um, you know, like I'm... My coffee was really good this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful, like for snuggling with my dog on the couch, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it can be these like bigger things. Like sometimes when I have a really rewarding day at work, like I'm, I'm grateful to be building something I'm really proud of or like, and it has just, I'll notice things throughout the day and think like, Oh, I should write that down in my gratitude journal. And then of course I forget, Sure. but just to, to note know that things I'm, that you're oh, grateful okay. for throughout like the day that. has been really helpful. Yeah, Cause I always wonder what that journaling would do at the night. It's like, yeah, what's that do for me? It's just going to be a long book of the stuff. But yeah, what you're saying is that throughout the day, you kind of, now you're looking at these. Yeah. It took me like after two or three weeks of doing it consistently every day is when I started to notice during the day, which they say, what do they say? It's like 21 days to form a habit. Yep. I can't remember yeah, how many, like but 
um, is when I started to notice throughout the day, I'd be like, oh, that'd be great for my gratitude journal. Or like, oh, I'm really, I'd, I would just have the thought like, oh, I'm really grateful that happened. Or, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And it really, I have noticed that from a stress management perspective, yeah. I can, I can even look at things differently and, you know, look at something that once upon a time I might've gotten really frustrated about or ranted and raved about. And I could think like, hmm. I'm grateful for to have had the opportunity to solve that problem. I'm grateful that I have the freedom to say, we're going to disengage from this really stressful situation. You know, like I have, I'm grateful for the opportunity to make the hard choices that in the long run will be better. And it does sound super hippy dippy. It sure does. Yeah. Like just same with the meditation. But when you're putting that much strain and stress to your, you know, body and soul, like you will break. And I, I have no, difficulty believing the statistics the huge statistics about how quickly entrepreneurs and small businesses fail oh yeah and how you know the number of small businesses that fail within three years and fail within five years i have no difficulty believing it and i don't think it's because they weren't profitable or they weren't a good business idea i think it's because it is really 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 hard to own a business yeah people cannot prepare you and how hard it is yeah, and that's one of the things I noticed. It's still hard. It's hard all the time. And and um, I think finding things like that, as hippy-dippy as they sound, I, I'm going to do them now because I don't want to fail in five years. We've got to, right. I've got another year left, you know, and so I'm worried about these stats and stuff too. And But, yeah. I, you know, every po- I've been into podcast. Why I started the podcast? Because I got interested in podcasts. I finally started listening to them after all these years. I'm like, oh, I'll check these out. Because I rather than driving and just listening to music once in a while, I should probably learn something yeah. when I'm driving. And, you know, sure enough, I'm starting to listen to these podcasts. I get really excited. And now I listen to them when I mow the lawn. And now I started my own podcast. And now I listen to them when I work out. And almost every time, we've these similar things is morning routine, mm-hmm. journaling, believe it or not, was one of the things, and meditation. Those things come up every single time from every single entrepreneur that I've listened to. So there must be something to it. There, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> all these people can't be wrong. So we're, yeah, That's right. If you could meet and have dinner with any business owner, who would it be and why? I would be Barbara from Shark Tank. Yeah? I don't know. I love me a fierce businesswoman. Yeah, she's awesome. And I, you know, having come out of a business incubator and having, I feel like, really taken advantage of a lot of resources available to yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. Um, technically we're still a startup if you look at us from a purely age standpoint, sure. but I pride myself on the fact that we don't look or behave like a startup. Right. Um, one of my goals with my business coach is that, you know, I want my company to, to act like a grown up company. And to <laughs> me, that means a company that does have these processes and protections in place for its employees. And, um, but I'm fascinated by like the startup world, the entrepreneurial yeah. world and, um, I just feel like it's this really cool elite club and I love it. Um, and so I love Shark Tank. I think it's great. And I love her on Shark Tank. And yeah, I would just awesome. love to like, like learn from that collective yeah, knowledge of yeah. all the different businesses that she's seen fail and thrive. And she just seems like super BA and like somebody that I'd enjoy having a conversation with. Yeah. I would like to, I would like to have dinner with her or anybody on there as well too. And I, you know, I, I struggled with that wanting to be a grown-up business, but not wanting to be not called a startup because right. or an entrepreneur because that sounds fun and exciting. We're hey, right. we're still a startup, you know, that's awesome. But but you're right though, is that now you know even though we are both still in that, I guess technically startup entrepreneurs. Yeah, less than five years. Yeah, less than five years. But we, 
but I don't want some of our clients to know that either. Like I want them, you know, to be like, no, these guys have been in business forever. You know? So that's a balance. What technology, we, there's lots, but what app, is there an app, piece of technology thing that you use that you couldn't live without? <laughs> well, it's kind of a, that's kind of a joke with my team. But when we were first establishing um, a more sophisticated project management process, we looked at probably close to 30 different project management yeah, tools we did too. and softwares. And of course, Basecamp is everywhere, and everyone talks about Basecamp, and I was adamant that we are not going to use Basecamp. <laughs> we are not going to use this cookie-cutter solution. Sure, everybody uses it. We're, you know, I looked at probably 10 different PR, marketing communications agency-specific software tools. I looked at all the different platforms from Asana to Teamwork to just like Ever, seriously, if there was a project management tool out there, I looked at yep. it, I did demos, I had this grid, I charted out. We as a team defined what we need out of project management software and you what really did we needed diligence. to do. I mean, this was like a six-month process. <laughs> and at the end of the What'd day, you back to? we are on base <laughs> Yep, of course you are. And I was like, it was like so, like, I, it was like such like a begrudging acceptance. Okay, just fine. Like, I guess we'll use base camp. Yeah. Um, but now can't live without it. I love, I actually, I very much enjoy base camp. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at, we, <laughs> I've drank the base camp Kool-Aid. Yeah. We're and looking like, at that so too. I feel so cliche, know, even I just know. being on base camp. Like everybody's on base camp. I want to be different, but dang it. Yeah. It Man, we've looked at a bunch. We looked at Asana. We looked at base camp. We looked at, I think we were on Maven link or something for a while too. And now we're on Slack and we like Slack a lot. I I like it. And and I think, I think we need that next thing up because what I think Slack doesn't give us that I think Basecamp does is, is the ability for clients to, to be able to have a space too. And so, yeah, we looked at all, all of them. Cool. Yeah. We love Slack. I will actually, yeah. What's my one tool? Gosh, I wish I, I probably now, I do love Slack, and I love what Slack has done, you know, especially a company priding itself on our culture. Yeah. Slack has been a great oh way gosh, yeah. to further reinforce that culture and to get to know our different employees and their senses of humor. And Slack is just, it's fun. It makes conversations, mm-hmm. and it makes frustrations and futile, you know, it makes these silly questions that can seem frustrating or annoying it makes them fun and it cool. gives you this fun outlet and this fun platform and i do love slack okay thank you for all this knowledge absolutely and i really thank you for having I, me i was excited to have you on and i knew you're going to be a great guest and you, you didn't let us down and, Aww, thanks. and thanks for everything that you're doing not only at piper and gold but for everybody here in the community i know you're super involved with the lansing area and you love lansing just as much as anybody and um, so thank you and uh, super um, proud to call you friends uh, of ours here at Michigan Creative. So thanks for coming on our podcast. And what is the best way somebody can get a hold of you? Yeah, so all of my details are on our website, of course, mm-hmm. piperandgold.com. And then we have all the social media that on you could Facebook, possibly Piper and um, Piper Ampersand Gold. And then on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, all that jazz. I'm Piper Gold Kate. Got it. Well, thank you, Piper Gold Kate. Thank I appreciate you for it. And thanks for me. being on the business machine. And remember, everybody, um, the business machine is about fine tuning your business to get it running like a fine tuned machine. And remember, great leaders make everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode.